Love your neighbor as yourself. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. The greatest of these is, what's it all about? And if it's all about love, and if we're all about loving on people who are in need of God's grace, then we have no time to pass judgment on them. It's that simple, isn't it? And that hard, isn't it? With all that's going on in the world right now, it's really noticeable when someone chooses love over anger and judgment. In today's edition of Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel shares that the number one thing God asks you to do is to love Him and love others. When you're too busy judging people, you don't have the time or space to love them. Pastor Daniel encourages you to simply respond to Jesus and reach out to others in love. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Luke chapter 6 as he continues his message. Hey, don't judge me. that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Saying, look, God judges with truth. If you're judging people and you're doing the same thing, do you think you're going to escape God's judgment? Verse 4, Or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of the Lord leads you to repentance. Wow. Paul says, look, you're busy judging people by doing the same things that you do. You're inexcusable. You're under condemnation. But the reality, it's God's goodness that leads us to repentance. It's God's mercy that changes us, not our own judgment. Do you see how important this is? See, I've always heard it said this way. My sins look really bad when you do them. The things about other people that cause you to judge the most are almost always things that you do. And you see it, and there's a part of you that realizes that that's your own struggle as well. And so you despise it in somebody else. So I want to encourage you. The next time somebody does something and it really irks you, if you were to take a moment And see what irks you and turn it inward and say, Lord, will you search my heart? I guarantee you're going to find, I do that too. That really changes husband and wives relationships, doesn't it? When you realize the thing that your spouse does that really bugs you, you do the same thing. Maybe not in the exact same context, but it's the same thing. See, the judgmental person will receive ironic judgment. So whatever standard you erect, God's going to measure that back to you. So from there, what do we do? What do we do? If you love someone, concern, yes. Judgment, no. If you love someone, concern, yes. Judgment, no. I can't make it any simpler than that. I spent a lot of time with that because I wanted to use the word concern because when you think about someone who you're concerned about, you're concerned about them, why? 
because you love them. And the difference between the disposition of a heart that is concerned and the disposition of the heart that is judgmental is love. If you love someone, you will be concerned. Concern, yes. Judgment, no. Now, I want to share with you personally. I've been getting beat up pretty good lately. I've been getting beat up by a little woman whose name is Teresa of Calcutta. Mother Teresa. This little nun is kicking my butt. She is. I've been reading some of her writings. Now, sure, I don't agree with everything. Yesterday I was reading about she was praying to the Virgin Mary about something. I'm like, huh? I'm like, I, I don't want to talk to Jesus' mom. I want to talk to Jesus. I don't mind Mary, but I'm not, I don't want to ask counsel from her. I want the Lord God Almighty. But you know what? Know why she's been kicking my butt? Because she says things so simply things that I know, but she says them and you're just like, ouch. Listen to what Mother Teresa said. If you judge people, you have no time to love them. That's pretty nasty, isn't it? Because what she's saying is this. She's saying, if you love somebody, if you're judging them, you don't have the time to love them because you're so busy judging them. And I thought to myself, I'm like, she's absolutely right. She's absolutely right that if I'm spending my time judging someone, then I have no time to love them. And if I'm spending my time loving on people, then I have no time to judge them. And we all know, each one of us knows that the greatest commandment is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And the second is what? Love your neighbor as yourself. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. The greatest of these is, what's it all about? And if it's all about love, and if we're all about loving on people who are in need of God's grace, then we have no time to pass judgment on them. It's that simple, isn't it? And that hard, isn't it? Because right as I say that, my heart wants to say, but. But. And I always think of Pastor Romaine of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. You got, yeah, but disease. How many of us got yeah, butt disease? I do. Lord, heal us of the yeah, butt disease. It really is that simple though, isn't it? If it's all about love, loving God and then loving our neighbor, if the greatest of these is love, if the fruit, the fruitfulness of the spirit of God in the heart of somebody who believes in Jesus is love, that if we spend time judging people, we don't have time to love them. And the greatest is love. So God calls each one of us to be radical lovers of people. Just the way God radically loves his creation. And sure, I mean, obviously God knows that I'm pretty unlovable all the time, but yet he still loves me with an everlasting love. That God so loved the world that was in rebellion to him that he gave his only begotten son that who would ever believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That is the gospel. And God, textbook, loves the unlovable, and he asks us to do the same, inspired by his spirit. So the reason, the reason judgment is so lethal to the body of Christ is because then we are not fulfilling us being the hands and feet of Jesus by loving the world in its folly in Jesus' name. Amen. See, if you love somebody, concern, yes, judgment, no. Concern, yes. Judgment, no. That's why Jesus says in John 7, 24, 
do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Don't judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. See, what Jesus is saying is that righteous judgment is the truthfulness that God sees. See, and the reality is, is God looks upon humanity and God sees as the Alpha and the Omega. He sees everything. He knows all the parameters. And if you look in your Bibles, the people who God uses oftentimes would be written off by any of us. I mean, the stuff that goes on is straight up absurd. I don't know how many times in our midweek study, I'm like, look, I didn't write this stuff. Because it's just nuts what goes on. It's a total mess. But God loves the mess. And God works through the mess. So we have to ask ourselves, do we really love people? Or do we love to judge based on appearances? Because what I've learned is that when I seek to judge with righteous judgment, God tells me, one, I'm not supposed to judge, so I can't do that. That God loves them right where they are, even though they're making mistakes, just the way he does me. That they were created in his image, according to his likeness, but they're flawed by sin, just like me. So my job is simply to love them, be concerned for them, Pray with them, talk with them, but it's never judgment because right away Jesus says, judge not or you're going to be judged. Condemn not or you'll be condemned. That's what judging with righteous judgment is. It's coming back to the gospel and saying, I can't judge anybody. I have no right to because God is the righteous judge. So then people ask all the time, so how do I address an issue in someone else's life in a way that honors God? Simply this way, humble concern is the way to confront sinfulness. Humble concern is the way to confront sinfulness. Humble concern. Where do I get this from? Very simply, Luke 6, 41 and 42. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eyes, but do not perceive the plank that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, obviously, Jesus is speaking with hyperbole, with the speck and the plank. It's kind of like, look, if you notice that your brother has got a little piece of sawdust in his eyes, you have to realize you got a lumber yard coming out of your eye. Someone's got a speck, you got a two by four, you got a four by six. He's using hyperbole. See, the reality is, is why do I have humble concern? Because Jesus says, before you're going to address somebody else's struggle, you got to deal with what's in your own eye. And you know what's amazing? If you go searching what's in your own eye, there's a lot of work to be done there, isn't there? It's like peeling an onion. I was just talking to someone just recently and they were sharing about, oh man, God's been revealing this in my life. I'm like, oh, you're on that layer of the onion. And they kind of looked at me and I'm like, think about it. It's a good picture. Because what does an onion do? It makes you cry. And once you get after one peel, what happens? There's another peel right underneath it. See, God wants us, inspired by his spirit, to do the heavy lifting of peeling back the layers that are in our own hearts. 
And the reality is, is once you start walking with Jesus and the Holy Spirit starts to separate the soul and spirit, the joints and marrow, discerns the thoughts and intents of our hearts, all of a sudden we get humble really quick. Because the Holy Spirit, being perfect God, the light of God in our hearts, says, oh, well, look at that. Oh, and then you're like, okay, Lord, let's deal with that. Oh, and then you get that thing all, it's nice and clean. That little area is nice and buffed and nice. And then all of a sudden it's on to the next thing. Well, look at that now. Because every time you peel back one layer, there's another layer there. And there's new things to learn and see. And at some point you say, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And that's why the people have been walking with Jesus the longest and the tightest are the most humble because they've so, been walking with the Lord so long and the Lord has shined the light on their failings so often that they're just like, look, man, I just need Jesus. There's no judgment anymore because they're like, I just need Jesus. And the longer I walk with him, the more I realize it. So it's not like the longer you walk with Jesus, the more you're able to judge everybody else. No, the farther you become from judgment. So we need to deal with the planks in our own eyes. We need to deal with the issues that we have. And once we're dealing with the planks in our own eyes, which is always in process, then you go to somebody when you're concerned for them, when you love them and you see what's going on, you go and say, look, I'm not here because I have it together. I mean, you know, God really knows. And I know that I'm not anywhere near that I want to be. But I love you and I'm concerned for you. I see this area of your life. Maybe it's a blind spot. Maybe it's a willful decision. But know what I've learned? It's very hard to get upset with somebody who comes and talks with you with humble concern, isn't it? It's very hard. You know, I just recently, it's interesting. When you speak a lot in public, obviously there's lots of, people have lots of opinions and I say things wrong and sometimes, you know, it's just the way it goes, you know? And you get when you're a pastor, a lot of times you get like kind of anonymous mail. You know what I call anonymous mail? Garbage. I don't even read it. If there's no name on it, I don't read it. If anybody wants to say, you got to put your name on it. And not just a concerned brother either. That, that, that don't fly either. No monikers. Just put your name on it. When somebody sends you an anonymous piece of mail, it's almost always, although there might be truth in there, it's a lot of judgment. But when someone comes to you, and I just had it this week, someone came and said, hey, Pastor, I want to talk to you about something, something I'm concerned about. Sat down, shared. I'm just like, even if I didn't like it, how can you not receive that? Because someone loves you enough to come and say, hey, I love you. I'm concerned about this, that, or the other thing. See, when someone comes to you with humility, unless you're just, your heart is totally hard, it's really hard to turn them away. Does that make sense? So if you want to address sinfulness or concern in someone's life, come humbly. Come with a spirit of meekness, with a self-judging spirit that says, look, I don't got it together, but I love you and I'm concerned. Now, listen, what I've also learned is that you can bear fruit by the spirit no matter how someone comes to you. When someone comes and if they just are just spewing judgment, I still bring that stuff to the Lord because I'm, even though maybe their heart isn't right, I can still learn from it. I can still learn. Hey, you know, like I remember one time I was an assistant pastor. There was a woman and she was a very volatile gal in the fellowship and we had been working with her for a long, long time. And, you know, and she was living in a kind of a group house and she got thrown out for taking hot water and throwing it on somebody. 
I mean, it wasn't scalding hot, so there wasn't anyone burned, but it was still like, you know. And so she came and she said, I think the church should put me up in a hotel. I said, oh, well, okay, well, let me ask you, you know, do you have any money? Do you have any savings? She's like, yeah, I do, but I don't want to spend it on that. The church should spend it. And I thought to myself, all right, you know. And so I said, listen, I'm like, you know, the church is here to help people in need. It, it, you know, if you have money and savings, why should the church have to pay for something that you could pay for when you've made a silly decision? And then she started spewing venom at me. She had some goons. She's like, you smile like an angel, but your heart is the devil. You know, she really got it. She laid into me, you know. You have no love, she said. You know, and I remember I just tried to attend to her. And then I went home that night. I'm like, you know, Lord, even though she was judging me, I want to love better, Lord. I don't love well. And Lord, you know, you bless me. I got nice white teeth. I don't know why, you know. But Lord, I don't just want to be a happy, smiley guy on the outside and nasty in my heart. And I don't say that to pat myself on the back. It's just, that's the way God ministered to me through that. Because even if someone comes to you in total judgment, if you say, Lord, what's the truthfulness and what's the teaching opportunity for this in my heart? Not just, oh, they're judgmental. We'll just dismiss them. But say, Lord, what's the truthfulness in this that I can grow from? But really the best way is to show humble concern. And then finally, if you feel judged by people, and I'm quite sure everyone in here has experienced judgment. If you feel judged, forgive and give grace just like Jesus. If you feel judged, forgive and give grace just like Jesus. I get this right from verse 37 and 38 of Luke 6. Notice it says, judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. See, most often we remember the judge not and the condemn not. We always forget those other couple clauses there. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. And then there's this picture, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. So if you feel judged, forgive and give grace, just like Jesus. Now, this whole, a good measure, this is part of the marketplace. So like, you know, right now we just have like a, a scale. So if you want to buy like some lemons, you know, you just put it in a bag, you stick it on a scale, and you just hope that the scale is honest. In that culture, they didn't have digital scales. So there would be a measure. And what people would do is oftentimes the merchants would be shady. So what they would do is they would say, oh yeah, this is a measure, but they'd give you like a weak measure. They'd put partial grain in it and they'd put some other stuff that's lighter so they don't have to give you much. But Jesus says, listen, forgive and give. And then he says, not just a fair measure, but a good measure. And not just a good measure, but one that's pressed down as much as it can get in there. So when you think about when you're trying to press down, you're trying to squeeze as much in there as you can, shaking together so it fills up all the little nooks and crannies. And not only that, and then running over the top. This is a picture of radical generosity. So if you or I feel judged by people, I want to encourage you to forgive and give grace just like Jesus with radical generosity. Don't just give them an eye for an eye. But give them a good measure. Treat people way better than they treat you. 
Take that measure, what you think they deserve, make it a great measure, press it down, shake it together, get as much in there as you can, and then let it overflow. That's the way we're called to be. That is what it means to be a proactive follower of Jesus. Not saying, well, you give me this and I give you this. You give me judgment and I'll give you equal or greater judgment. No, no, no. You give me judgment, I give you radical, generous love. You give me a hard time and I give you blessings upon blessings because that is exactly who Jesus is. Isn't that what Jesus did for you? Isn't that what he did for me? I mean, what did we give Jesus? Nothing. And what we did give him was just total rebellion. I mean, let's be honest about our lives. We have given Jesus radical rebellion. And what did he do? He lavished grace upon us. I mean, which one of us comes and say, Jesus, I deserve for you to die for me? Oh, no. No one's just like, yeah, me. No. We all come and Jesus gave us what we didn't deserve. That's what grace is. The unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor of God. Not because we did anything to deserve it. Jesus gave us a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, as much in there as we can, and then an overflowing cup. And that's why judgment should be the farthest thing from our minds because just the way Jesus, when we were in rebellion, just loved on us and encouraged us and was there for us with radical generosity, we are called as the body of Christ, being conformed into the likeness of our head. Jesus the Savior, are meant to be radically generous. Listen to Luke 23, 34. When Jesus was on the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. When he's on the cross, I mean, he's nailed to a cross, breathing his last breath, saying, praying forgiveness on the greatest injustice in all of humanity. And that is the pace for our lives by the Spirit. That when we feel judged, we would give and forgive. Radical grace, radical generosity, totally different from what we're receiving. Not reacting to it in like manner, but being proactive as an agent of grace. Brothers and sisters, that's what the gospel is all about. This is why in this place we exalt Jesus. Because the gospel is not, you give me this and now I will return the favor. No, it's, you give me rebellion and I will give you love. You give me judgment and I will give you generosity and grace, just like Jesus. And we want that as a movement in our church. Where we receive judgment, we forgive. Where we receive blows, we give generously. That's the gospel. That's it for today's message on judging others. Pastor Daniel urged you to let forgiveness and grace fill your heart to overflowing. When you're judged, you don't have to retaliate or fight back. You can forgive them and give them grace just like Jesus did for you with radical generosity. When you do this, you follow the example of Jesus who gave us amazing overflowing grace when we hated him and rebelled against him. Hey everybody, I want to invite you to join me in reaching people with the message that Jesus is real. 
Would you pray about partnering with us in the ministry of Jesus' Real Radio? Your support in this way helps us to keep sharing God's Word and helps us reach more and more people. Thank you for considering partnering. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel speaks about stewardship. You'll learn that you are a caretaker, someone who manages the affairs of another. Understanding that everything you have is from the Lord will transform how you think about time, money, and abilities. You see, as a steward, you have the privilege of using those gifts in ways that impact the world for good and bring honor and glory to God. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Really. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.